Um, as we begin our time of, for the sermon this morning, if you will, uh, bow your heads and pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we ask that you would pour your spirit out on this time and on this place and on each person here, on those who are watching uh, online, and on each person who is um, touched by the message today. We just ask that you would take your light in them and let it shine brightly. Um, We ask that you would open our hearts to your grace and your forgiveness as we explore our creed even more today, and especially the topic of forgiveness of sins. And so, as you are with us this day, transform us and lead us and guide us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we have dived into the Apostles' Creed this summer. We began a few weeks ago, and um, just to kind of review with it, I'm going to recite the creed to you now. This is something we do in confirmation each week, and we use, uh, I've got some former confirmation leaders in here, um, and we use this as a means of mapping our classes and a means of... um, of exploring the story of God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because it really is a blueprint for our faith. It's been used since the beginning of the church um, as, a, as a statement of faith for a long, long time. So hear these words. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day, he rose again and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and he will come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. These are words that um, have been said by Christians throughout the ages and Christians around the globe. And uh, as, as Fede so beautifully said it this morning in our traditional service, When we say this creed, it's not just the people in the room saying the creed. It's it's Christians everywhere. We are a force when we join our voices and we profess our faith. We've explored what it means to believe in God, to believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the church, and today we talk about the forgiveness of sins. Our scripture for today comes from 1 John 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, 
he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Those are powerful, powerful words. When we confess and say, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, we are confessing two things. One is that we need to be forgiven. Who in here needs to be forgiven? Who is a sinner who needs to be forgiven? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need to be forgiven. We are all sinners, and we can't do that ourselves. One of the things that happens when we are forgiven is the second thing that we confess when we say, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, and that is, as forgiven people, we need to be forgiving of others. It's not an easy thing to ask for forgiveness or to give forgiveness. And part of that is because sin puts us in this really awful place that keeps us from a relationship with God. Sin in Spanish, and I didn't realize the impact of this in high school when I took high school Spanish, um, and I haven't used it in a really long time, so muy poco. Hablo espanol muy, muy poco. (laughs) Um, But sin means without. I think there's something powerful in that. There's nothing we can do to pay the penalty for our sin. But Jesus Christ can, does, and did take care of that when he got on the cross for us. God had a plan. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. His righteousness will be counted as ours. So here we are, all people standing in need of grace, in need of God's forgiveness, and seeking that justification through faith. Justified is one of those words we explore in confirmation. And we break down the word, and so if in your mind you'll think about the word justified and put a slash after the T and a slash after the F and add an as right after the just. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what Jesus does for us. There are things that we do like that to help the kids understand Um, as they are growing in their faith, what it means to be a Christian. The word forgive comes from the word for give. There's a couple of ways we can take for give. One is for, F-O-R-E, give, that this is forgiveness given before we ever need it. It precedes, it's a giving that precedes us in grace. It's that prevenient grace that comes. It's, it's part of justifying grace as well. But also it's 
forgiving, we give someone something when we forgive them, and they give us something when we are forgiven. There's forgive. You know how sometimes things are so tight and you just need it to give a little bit? We like to hold on to things, and when we get busy holding on to things, it gets tight and we can't make any room of it, and and you need the give in there for things to breathe and to work right. It's letting go. Jonah teaches us a lot about how hard it is to let go. He did not like that God was going to forgive the Ninevites. He pouted about it. He went and found a sprout to hang out in the desert under and just crossed his arm, stuck out his lip, and said, I'm not doing this. Well, he did a lot before then. To, he got stuck in the belly of a whale, too. Jonah was quite the character, but I think a lot of times we can relate to that when we say, how can that person possibly be forgiven for that? Maybe we need to pull out a mirror. (laughs) The older brother in the story of the prodigal son didn't like the fact that his kid brother had taken the inheritance, gone off to a foreign land, wasted it, Then came home and had a feast thrown for him. Carpet rolled out. The fatted calf was killed. And he's like, I've been here the whole time doing what I'm supposed to do. And this guy's getting the royal treatment? He gets to be a son? Yes. He does. And the Ninevites get to be forgiven When we say, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, we confess that it's hard. But we confess that it's needed, not just for ourselves, but for others. One of the things, one of the games that I like to play with kids, and if we weren't in the time of coronavirus, as I like to call it, I would have some of y'all do it. But I get them in a circle, and I have them reach across and grab two different hands— and then I tell them, okay, they, they form this really big knot, and it's, a, it's really funny to see the knots that they come up with. Craig's done this before. I'm seeing his head nodding back there. And then you tell them to get out without letting go. And that can, it, y'all, that can go a long time if you need to kill some time in a classroom. But if we think about it in terms of what happens when sin gets in our relationships— and that one of those hands is hurt, and one of those hands is anger, and we're not willing to forgive and let go of those things, we're going to stay tangled up in a big knot and not get anywhere. We have to let go of hurt. We have to let go of anger in order to let there be enough room for us to have relationship and get out of the knots we create when we sin against God and one another. Matthew six fourteen and 15 says, If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. How we interact with one another is a standard for how we ourselves choose to be forgiven. But God is good. 
Jesus spoke of forgiveness in terms of a debtor-creditor relationship several times in the Gospels. One was in Matthew 18 with the unforgiving servant when Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother or my sister who has sinned against me up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, when I was a kid in Sunday school, I immediately went, that's 490 times, right? So 491, I don't have to forgive. My Sunday school teacher, who became my sister's mother-in-law and has been part of my family for a long, long time, she's no longer with us, but she taught me many lessons. And one of the lessons she said is, it doesn't matter If it's a thousand and ninety-nine times, if you've forgiven four hundred and ninety-nine four hundred and ninety times, you have developed a heart of grace and a heart of peace and a heart of love and forgiveness. And you will forgive that thousand and ninety-ninth time or the two thousandths or the ten thousandth. And it's a lesson in reminding us just how giving we, are, we learn to be through forgiving one another. In Luke 7, Jesus is, is asked, or Jesus asked the question, if you have two people and one is forgiven 500 denarii and the other is forgiven 50, who will love the creditor more? Who will love the one who's forgiven the debt more? And his answer to them is the one who, they answer back to him saying the one who was forgiven the 500 denarii. When we have been forgiven of much, we have a greater appreciation for forgiveness and our heart is changed. I just mentioned to you the the piece from Matthew 6 on how we forgive affects how God forgives us. And that's an addition to the Lord's Prayer. And that's, that Lord's Prayer in Scripture is generally using the term debt. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Y'all, that's a powerful little clincher Jesus stuck in there. Forgive me as I have forgiven others love the movie Flywheel. It was one of the first movies that the church in Albany did. They did the Flywheel Courageous uh, and, the different, and Facing the Giants, different ones. But in Flywheel, the, the car salesman is dealing with the pastor, and this car salesman has done some doozy of deals that have put some money in his pocket, and he's selling a wrecked car that he's not saying is wrecked to the pastor's daughter. And the pastor comes up and he says, I want to pray for you, son. And he prays over him and he says, God, I want you to deal with this man the way he has dealt with me today so graciously. Ooh. That car salesman gets stuck. And he starts thinking about, wait a minute, if God deals with me like I deal with other people, I'm in trouble. 
he does what Zacchaeus does, and he goes back and he makes reparations. Great movie. Just watch it if you haven't seen it. But um, in all of these, we learn that there's an expectation to forgive and to pay it forward. We have been forgiven of debts. So we must also be forgiven. And it's not just something that said, there's a benefit to this. There's a, y'all know I love Brad Paisley. Forgive me, I'm sorry. I have to include a song from him in here. But um, there's a great song he has called Little Moments. And he talks about when his wife backed his truck into the wall and when she burnt the cake and when she did all these things. And um, he says, I know she's not perfect, but she tries so hard to be. And he talks about how every little thing she does that's not perfect makes him love her more. And how their relationship has grown through the giving and the taking of forgiveness. It's matured as it goes through that. In the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19, Zacchaeus is so excited to see Jesus, the one that he's heard so much about. Now, Zacchaeus is a despised tax collector. And when Jesus sees him, he says, I'm coming to your house today, Zacchaeus. And everybody looks at him and goes, God, you can't, or Jesus, you can't do that. Do you not understand that he has taken from me? And Jesus says, yes, I can. I'm going to his house for dinner. And he forgives him. Zacchaeus doesn't doesn't say, I'm going to make reparations if you forgive me. He's forgiven. And then he's changed by that forgiveness. And he repays what was not his. He makes things right. Charles, you said it well this morning. Forgiven people forgive. Parson Weems is a Methodist pastor that's known for telling the story of the cherry tree with George Washington. And in it is a beautiful lesson. George was a little boy, and he was talking with his dad, and um, he talked about... different things and about doing things wrong. And his dad looked at him and he said, you know what, George, you are a child and you're going to get things wrong. But you know what? I always want you to come to me and tell me the truth. And I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm not going to be upset with you. I just want you to be straight with me. So when George takes the axe and goes at the cherry tree, doesn't quite chop it down the way we're told, But when he goes to the cherry tree and he damages it, his father asks the question and he comes in. And it was probably hard, but he looked at his dad and he said, it was me. And he said, I love you, son. Thank you for telling me. That helped to shape George into a person who had been forgiven and loved and given grace. It helped shape him into someone who would be a leader, who led through more honest approaches. There's great power in forgiveness and motivation. Um, there's, a, there's a story that's told about res- among restaurants. My, um, my friend Vic works in the restaurant agency, and he saw this one time. 
there was a waitress who was really messing up. Anybody ever waited tables? Okay, if you ever just had a bad day and you just, you, you couldn't get things right, well, a customer complained to the owner and the owner talked to the manager and said, you know what, that, that person right there has got to go. They can't get it right. And the manager said, let me handle it. So they went over and they had a conversation with the waitress. And at the end of the day, the owner's going, wait a minute. Who is this employee I have? They have done so great all day. They're like getting the most compliments, the most tips. What in the world did you say to her? And the manager looked at the owner and he said, I told her that you had seen that she was really trying hard and that it must be a hard day, but she was really trying hard and she was doing a great job and you were really proud of her. And she says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best ever to please him. When we are given grace, amazing things can happen. Colossians 3.13 tells us to bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances we have against one another, to forgive as the Lord forgives you. C.S. Lewis wrote, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. There's uh, a movie that I saw not so long ago based on a true story of a shooting at a school in an Amish village. And following the shooting, the elders from this village went to the wife of the shooter's home. And she, at first, was just terrified. And they sat down with her and they said, we want to pray for you. We forgive your husband. We don't want you to bear this burden. I can't imagine what she felt. I can't imagine what it took. But I imagine that the spiritual life that those elders had, had placed in them a heart of forgiveness and a heart of peace and a heart of grace that allowed them to then go to the widow or to the wife of the shooter and say to her, despite all that happened, we love you, we are praying for you. God is good. There are many more benefits I could go into, but I think that we get, we get the idea. You know, um, one, one thing that Wayne Dyer has said is that when you get bit by a snake, it's not necessarily the snake bite, but the venom that kills you. The venom of not forgiving, the venom of holding on to anger and hurt will forgive us. It may not be the injury, it will, will kill us. It, it may not be the injury itself. When we don't forgive, it spirals and spirals and spirals. And attitudes of forgiveness are ones that change the world. It's what happened with Jesus and his teachings. He taught us this clenching phrase of, Forgive my trespassers. Forgive my debtors as I forgive those with debts and trespasses against me. 
He knew that to truly experience the mercy and grace of forgiveness, we had to forgive and we had to know what it was to be forgiven. Grace is a gift that once given is given away again and again and again. We live in a world that operates by civil doctrines. And in the face of sin, in the face of violations, we have consequences that go with that. But we as Christians also operate in a world where God's law and God's grace is the one that reigns. And in that kingdom grace abounds. The hymn, Grace, Grace, God's Grace, just, it's grace that is greater than all our sins, always hits home with me. No matter what I do, God's grace is always greater than any violation. God's arms opened wide to us on the cross. God's arms opened wide to us when we are the prodigal and we are running back to his arms after we have gone astray. God's grace is there when we're the older brother going, wait a minute, I've been over here. I've been going to church and Bible study and all these things and this person hasn't and so what? God loves us. God's love is amazing. That story of the prodigal son teaches us so very, very much. Let's rejoice that people are coming home. Let's rejoice that God's grace is there to forgive us in light of all that we do wrong. And trust me, I know I'm a sinner I know that I get it wrong. I know that I mess up. I know that I need grace, not just from God, but from my brothers and sisters. We all do. Let's go back to 1 John 1, 9. God is faithful and loving to forgive our sins when we recognize the need for forgiveness. He will throw his arms open in celebration and say... My son has gone to the cross for you. My son has defeated death and sin, and he has been resurrected, and there is life. There is eternal life for you. We're going to talk more about that next week. For now, I want to leave you with a verse from Colossians 3. It's a few verses from there. This is the um, benediction that was prayed by a mentor of mine every church service. Um, And he passed earlier this year, but it was a fitting end to this as he taught me many lessons about grace. Hear these words. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if you have a grievance against 
someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And above all these things, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Amen.